This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 95, You Have to Feel to Heal, with Emily Myers. Hey everybody, I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is... Becky Proudfit, whoop, whoop. who's also my friend and my co-host. Also, I just wanted to mix it up. I like it. Can I tell you something exciting that happened to me? Please. So part of um, being in the situation where I have a lot more time on my hands, I've been able to really get caught up with some documenting. Ooh. And I finally, yeah. as you know, made the book from our trip to Italy. Oh, and I so ordered said book for you. and the book came to my house. Please tell me how that felt. It was so good. And I got to go through it. And in a time when I'm kind of dying inside because I can't travel. And I looked back on that oh. trip and I'm like, oh, it's all like, the feelings came back. It right back, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And so I like that I'm checking documenting boxes and using, using the app. And I did it actually. We were at Becky's cabin. Our families were at the cabin together and mm-hmm. I did it in like hardly any time you laid there in that beautiful fresh air sure totally did. horizontal with your legs folded up and you just knocked it out and it was, it awesome. was kind of awesome <laughs> and it's done I'm so happy that it's done and it was such a such a fun package to get like yeah. what a cool package oh to that's get. my favorite kind of happy mail I know I am it was good expecting a package to arrive tomorrow you don't know this <gasps> and I have ordered a ton of pages that I've been making with the beta version of the app that is coming out like any oh, day oh my gosh um, you guys else. so good oh, we're so excited so so good and just in case we have new listeners who are less familiar with what we're talking about the app that Becky's talking about that we both are obsessively using on the regular is called Project Life. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we've, we've had and loved and used the app for nearly six years now. So Project Life, download it for free. And it literally is the thing that helps you to preserve your memories and get your pictures and your stories put together. And it's so stinking fun. And the thing I love about so it fun. is I had no plan to do the Italy book, zero plan. And mm-hmm. I was like, I actually have a minute. Yeah. It's on my phone. The app's on my phone. The pictures are on my phone. You don't have to pull out supplies. The memories are in my head. Yeah. And I l- you can literally just, it's like a, pl- a plug-in situation. Mm-hmm. And you could do it in the pickup line. Yep. When you're trying to pick up your groceries. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you're picking up for these days. <laughs> well, and you don't have to print your pictures first, right? A lot Ugh. of people don't print their pictures anymore, but this, it's so important to get your printed memories, but this mm-hmm. is kind of like the backwards version. And it's so good because I oh. ain't nobody got time for printed out pictures in my life right now. Like I already have a huge tote that I haven't dealt with. Oh, I can help you with that. It's fine. I, I know. got you. Someday. Someday, someday we're going to really attack that. We but, sure are. Um, but, but in the it's meantime. Just awesome. And it just felt so good. I'm so glad that that's I'm so excited on that little tick list in my brain. And it's no longer in my brain. It's in my hands. Yes. Hallelujah. Ooh. Can I put that like a bumper sticker on my car? It's no longer in should. my brain or in my heart. It's now in my hands. Yes. And it's so good. It's sitting yes. on our coffee table where we keep all of our trip books and mm. the kids loved looking at it. And I'm so happy for you. So I fun. didn't know you were going to talk about that. We never know what we're going to talk about when we no. hit record. But since you brought up documenting, that actually has a little something to do with our guest today, Emily Myers. You're going to hear this incredible conversation that we had with Emily a little while ago. And you will get all introduced to her if you don't know who she is. But Emily has known about me for a long time since she was a teenager because of my work and through the books and stuff that yeah. I've done. And so Emily herself is actually a longtime documenter. And so I love that even though this conversation conversation isn't specifically about like that, mm. she does tie it in. But this conversation with Emily that we had is so incredibly meaningful. We're so excited to share, share it with you. And first, we're going to share a quick word from this week's sponsor. This is an unprecedented season in the world's history, let alone in our personal lives. So much has felt all sorts of upside down and out of whack during a global pandemic. Whether you're really struggling or able to find the blessings in all of this, or probably both, no one can argue with the fact that things are just different right now. As we both continue to do our best to cultivate a good life, we have both been very intentional about doing things that keep us feeling healthy and strong and sane. Thankfully, a deep love for hiking still runs through our veins, and we're able to still get outside for hiking several times a week. 
This intentional decision is fuel for our souls. As we think back to the deeply beautiful experiences that we had at Movara Fitness Resort and the incredible hiking that we did there in Southern Utah, we very much love looking forward to the time that we will be able to return to Movara. As we all anticipate coming out on the other side of the pandemic, spending some time at Movara sounds better than ever. The people at Movara are 100% devoted to your wellness and progression. We invite you to plan ahead and join us at Movara January 17th through 24th, 2021. Join us for a week of hiking, movement, nutrient-dense meals that you don't have to prepare, informative classes, inspiring discussions, and plenty of self-reflection. Whether you're able to come to the Becky Week at Movara or not, be sure to drop our name when you call to inquire or get yourself signed up anytime this year. When you tell them that we sent you, you'll save $200 off the weekly fee and get $50 resort gift card that can be used anywhere at the resort, a Swedish massage, the retail shop, a private hike, etc. The number to call is 833-342-1671. The friendly staff at Movar will answer all the questions you have. And of course, you're welcome to reach out to either one of us on Instagram if you have more specific questions for either one of us. Again, the number is 833-342-1671. Your Movara experience will be unforgettable and a total game changer in your life. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Cultivate a Good Life. Thank you so much for having me. We love you already. <laughs> We're just going to have a love fest. And what's really fun is you should know, guys, that Emily's husband, Richard, is here. And for once, we have a sound engineer in the house. It's I feel great nice. about it. <laughs> Richard, let's hear you in the background. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Okay, he's Yay. doing great. Good to know. So he gets to play with some buttons on our little mixer for the next little bit. And we're just really happy about that. So if this sounds like the best episode <laughs> you've ever heard on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. I love it. But we are talking with Emily today. She's our guest. And Emily, we're grateful that you're carving out the time to speak with us today and it's interesting because when we chatted with you and we're like we've got to record this is so great we'll get into the backstory we'll get into you and your journey and your introduction but I think it's really interesting that it was so quick that you knew that what you wanted to speak to was this that we'll be talking about opposition in essence because everyone relates to that everyone has felt resistance in their life and so I'm really honored that we get to have this conversation with you thank you so much I'm, I'm excited about it because I feel like I'm more and more driven to this topic because I while I know I still have you know so long such a long journey ahead of me I feel like any little milestones that I've kind of figured out I I love to talk with people about those because we can all just relate on the same level for sure that's one of the things I love best about the podcast is you meet someone and the thing that strikes Becky and I is we have conversations and realize that every person has a message every person has a meaningful story and things that they go through and things that they take part in and and those experiences help us like it's a cyclical thing with all of us it like we all rise together as we openly share our experiences and the things we've learned and yeah. and offer that community of support and learning. So in that opening up and that sharing, let's hear from you about your background, your background, your experience, kind of the story of who Emily is. <laughs> and and it's kind of like, where on earth do we even begin, right? <laughs> yeah, but, I could start back, you know, when I was born. Yeah, I, right. I could. I mean, hey, listen, yeah. any part of it. But let's, yeah, let's in a hear. cabin in the woods. Were you no, really? Yeah, I really was. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Were you really? In, yeah. in Amish country. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of like 40 children. It's an interesting story. But no, we can move Whoa, forward a little bit. Oh, what? It, it gets, Let's just change the whole topic of the episode. <laughs> what? Um, Man. Yeah, that's a, it's kind of crazy. We'll have to go over that sometime, not on the podcast, but. I love that. But no, I'm intrigued. I'm super intrigued. Yes. Now um, I'm distracted by like your more current life by this. Well, you know, I childhood. can. You know, we could go in different. We'll directions. make this an I eight-part series. <laughs> Buckle up. I know we really part should. One. Part yeah. one. Buckle yeah. up is the best way to put it. Well, let's go. Let's go to your more recent part of your life, your adulthood. You've been through some pretty, um, pretty seasoned things. Yeah. Some things that have shaped and molded you to be the yeah. person that you are. So let's hear a little bit about that. Um, I guess the beginning to me was was leaving my parents' house. Um, at 18, newly 18, and and marrying um, the love of my life, it was um, Martin Myers was was my first husband, and he um, we we dated for just about six months, and it was kind of a whirlwind thing, and I I uh, really thought that um, you know I didn't deserve him, and he was just he was really an awesome guy, and it was it was an interesting story because we um, we started out 
he was he had graduated and I we kind of you know had this idea of where our life was going to go and where I was going to work and not work and you know go to school and different things and then we just really all of a sudden knew we were supposed to have our family and start you know start having children and um, so we had my first daughter um, less than a year I mean earlier what it was about she was she was like 13 months after we got married we had mm-hmm. her so I got mm-hmm. pregnant pretty soon after getting married and she was born in March um, and then I had our second daughter the next April, and then I had our next child the next May, and then I had, and so it was wow. kind of like every we kept we kept kind of having kids, and um, and it just was something that I just felt really led in to do, and mm-hmm. and we both did, and um, when I was um, pregnant with my fifth baby, I was about five months pregnant. I remember talking to my mother, and just saying like I feel like life is just really really good, and I I didn't want to. Um, like jinx anything but I was mm-hmm. just like I feel like it's kind of perfect like we just have really great friends and we have this home that we've renovated and, and put so much love into and I have all these little children that are great sleepers and and they're so smart and our family gets along and you know we're happy and it just kind of was was a little bit baffling and confusing that everything was going so well I thought I was I thought I was like I thought life was supposed to be hard you know like mm-hmm. I thought everybody talks about marriage being hard and and wives complain about their husbands and being a mom and, and it was just I just didn't have any of those same things, and um, and it was an, it was only a few weeks after this conversation we we realized later that my um, husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I was I was um, really pregnant again with our fifth baby, and I was 24 years old, and um, wow. he oh had gosh. he was competing in a bodybuilding competition, and and uh, he placed in the top five. He had like three percent body fat and was like 230 pounds of like solid oh, wow. muscle that like I didn't even know existed. I'm like, what is that popping out of your leg? Right? Like it was just like <laughs> they, at that point they look so yeah. like superhuman. But um, so he was so healthy. And um, and then we were in the doctor's office and we had the reason that we found that was because of a lump that was under his arm. Um, he didn't have any symptoms at all, and there were no spots on his skin that, that seemed cancerous. It was just this lump that was growing really fast, mm-hmm. and we got it um, biopsied. And, and in the time it took for them to get results back, it had doubled in size in just a couple weeks. And oh then we, my gosh. we waited for another, like an ultrasound thing to happen, and then it had doubled to, you know, wow. uh, the size of like a golf ball. It was just growing so fast. And, and um, so we sat down in the doctor's office, and he said, uh, you know, this is – because it's in his lymph nodes, this is melanoma, and it's stage four. And and um, he said that we're probably just talking like a few months to live. And I, I think I always feel like I sound kind of cold telling the story because I just kind of breeze through. But it's been years of of like going over it and processing it and talking to people. And I still break down plenty of times. But yeah. um, so we we just like sat there in the doctor's office, and um, it was quiet for a long time. And I was really pregnant; the baby was kicking, and I just remembered seeing like my whole future just kind of like melting, mm-hmm. and um, and it was just I was I was processing, you know, so much. And so he was he kind of jumped to this like problem solving mode. He was like, well, "We better get you out of the house that we lived in." At that point, was in a kind of a dodgy neighborhood. There was a jail close by. There was a halfway house, and there was a lot of. Um, varying degrees of people in different situations that there was a lot of crime and there was um anyways he just was like I don't want to leave you here with five kids and so let's move and we have to get a car that's going to fit all the kids in it and we have to um you know get like the will written up and we have to get some stuff taken care of and and I just was like let's let's slow down a little bit you know let's not jump to but he was all about he he said you know you'll probably find somebody else and I I hope that you you know can have somebody that makes you happy and I was like hold on I just he kept going forward and and it was all kind of too much for me. And so um, we ended up kind of pulling apart for a couple of days to try and figure some things out. And, and then we started telling some close friends and family, and we started looking at treatment options. And, again, I'm kind of rushing through, but we went, ended up going to Mexico and leaving all of my little babies that were – my oldest was only five at the time. Um, and so I left them all with some friends, and we went to go do treatment. And immediately pain started so badly because he had um, – there were tumors in his right at the base of his spine, like mm. by his sciatic, so yeah. he couldn't oh walk. So gosh. I was like pushing him in a wheelchair for a long time, and um, you know, kind of fast forwarding through, we had treatment on and off, and he was pretty much um, immobile for a lot of that. And then as he would start to, as the treatment would kind of start to wear off the chemicals, he would have a little bit of strength back just in time to go back to Mexico and get another round of treatments. And so it was a long process of like not. Um, you know, telling the kids what was going on for as long as I could. And um, ultimately, we we were 
blessed with an extra year beyond what we were oh, given. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and it, it was a blessing more than more than anything else, but it was so, so hard. Um, I had a big community of friends um, that were close that would bring meals and things to help. And, and our church community was wonderful. And we had some family close by. And um, but it was just it was, you know, at the end of the day, it was was him and I and these babies. And I I had I had given birth and um, I, I was nursing and I had a, all these little guys and he like he had so many medications he needed and I yeah. I um, towards the end you know I was spoon feeding him a lot of his meals and just being around the clock you know caregiver and then um, once he would go to bed at like 1 a.m. I'd go downstairs and start my work day you know on the computer and I'd yeah. blog for for three or four hours and um, and then I would try to go to sleep at five or six a.m. in time to get up at seven with oh, the kids, and so gosh. I, wow. I kind of functioned on a really, really weird cocktail of energy drinks. And <laughs> it was like <laughs> little cat naps and energy drinks. Yeah. Well, and we all know what sleep deprivation does to our oh ability to cope, too, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's so Trying so hard. Trying to deal with with so so much, mm-hmm. um, and so that like people say, I don't know how you did that, and I really don't know. I think that was just like a. I mean, I know that I was just carried by by mm. you know angels at that mm-hmm. point, honestly. Um, because I don't I don't know how I didn't just drop dead either. There was there was so it was such a crazy time. I can't really even like remember. Yeah. When I try to put myself back there, I mean, I remember all the details, but it's that's like a different person altogether. Right. It's um, like you remember the details, but it's also a blur at the same time. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like someone else's surreal. life. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's kind of amazing you know as human beings what we're capable of when when we're put up against insurmountable odds mm-hmm. and, yes. and insurmountable challenges it seemed yes. absolutely foreign and just like the worst possible things that could happen to us and somehow we find ourselves working through these situations standing in these situations and it always you know we hear so many stories from from women and you know my experience with cancer and and Becky has had some really profound cancer experiences in her family and um, it's just amazing what happens to someone mm-hmm. when when they're when they're faced with that and the kind of it's horrific but also you realize like the depth of your strength mm-hmm. like like how much reserve you actually have yes it's amazing because um over the last few years as my my um you know that my understanding of the situation has kind of evolved that's something I hear a lot as people will say I just couldn't do that and I'm like you know the cool thing is though is that you totally could right and you would you know if that happened Mm -hmm. to you you would you would just figure it out and and like the worst possible life situation you can think of like if that was the cards that was dealt to you you know you would just step up and you would do that and that's how powerful we are and we might not think so um but we we really are so much more capable than we think and it's pretty cool it is pretty cool um so during that time like as you're kind of unfolding the way the story went um it doesn't end there of course like this there's a lot there's a lot more that's happened mm-hmm. um I, I believe that in terms of opposition like you were slapped in the face pretty blindsided by this diagnosis in the first place right mm-hmm. and then by the by the prognosis right yeah. I mean that was probably pretty shocking mm-hmm. and I was actually thinking while you're speaking it didn't seem like either one of you were in total denial especially him right like yeah. he was in yeah. problem solving mode like I, 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 I mean, it was nothing short of devastating, but it also was like, what's the next step? Okay, well, mm-hmm. let's make sure you're going to be okay. Yeah. And you took some time, obviously, to process, and everyone has their own timeline of how they navigate through these challenges. But then as you went th- through this and as you kind of move forward, did everything chill out a little bit, or was opposition kind of a running theme as your story continues? You mean until he passed away mm-hmm. or, or after mm-hmm. the fact? Yes and yes. It, it just got – it got – crazier yeah there Mm -hmm. there really wasn't um a calming point um because after that it was every holiday was our last holiday and you know the baby like having to stop nursing the baby I was like I'm I'm never going to have any more children and now I'm done when we had planned to have more and that was devastating and I it hurt to see the crib and be like I'm I have to stop my family because my husband is going away and I Mm -hmm. like and, and then trying to figure out like our future um, so I like gave away all my baby stuff cause I was like, it just hurt mm-hmm. to be like, yeah. my life wasn't in my control anymore. Um, and then he was in so much pain and, and he would get more and more, um, progressed and he would lose more and more weight. And we started having fights that we'd never had before. And, and yeah, at, at Thanksgiving, I was like, how do I make this perfect? Um, because this is our last Thanksgiving together, you know? And so he, it was like having to grieve him every single day um, mm-hmm. yeah. while he was there. And, and there were times when he really just couldn't talk about the future and or times when he really, like we were kind of never lined up at that, lined right. up. 
um, where I was like, okay, I really need you to like start giving me passwords to your Facebook account and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and he'd be like, no, no, there's time for that later. And then he'd be like, well, let me start writing my last letters to the kids. And I'm like, let's not do that today. <laughs> like, right. I, I can't really handle that. And so can't even imagine we were trying to, there was a lot of stuff that went undone that really mm -hmm. should have been. And I, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change that, but it was just, um, like, how do you sit across from your person you thought you were going to be with forever and be like, so, like, when you're gone, you know, mm -hmm. or, right. like, and just so, so difficult. He would often talk about me moving forward um, and about someone that I might end up with, and, and I just couldn't imagine that. I was like, you are my person. Like, I was, we had a future yeah. together, and everything I had imagined or dreamed was based on us being together, and, and because I had married right out of high school, I just, my whole identity was tied to um, this man and these kids and what we were, you know, going to do. And that was all like just imploded on me. Yeah. And so, but I couldn't, I couldn't start to like rebuild because I had no idea, you know, we obviously we had a lot of hope, but, but the doctors we were going to were just the best in the world. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's a difference between hope and denial, you know, and, right. and, and hoping, you know, constantly up until he, you know, drew his last breath. Like, what if he get, did get, you know, that they were wrong about the prognosis mm -hmm. for initially? What if we did get a couple more years? And and there was one little glimmer when it was right around our anniversary. Um, we went to MD Anderson in Houston. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember we started him on this treatment. And I was I had pushed and pushed so hard. And um, they were finally like, okay, fine, you guys can start this. And there was a really high success rate. And he had had a little bit of success, and a couple of tumors had disappeared in his kidneys. And we were like, yes, wow, like there, like this Victory. might, we might, yeah. And it was mm -hmm. really his liver was growing. Um, I mean, the, the tumors in his liver were growing, but there was it was just enough like of a of a step back that we were like, what if we? And so mm -hmm. I, I, if you look back on my Instagram, you can see where I'm like, hey, guess what? Who's he's going to join the Freckle Fox team, and we're going to be like, you know, business yeah. people and. And I thought, like, what if we, what if we can drag this, you know, on? Because he was feeling better, and there were then, then he would go back into this, um, you know, this um, mindset and this, this, um, you know, frame of, of feeling. He would kind of sink into this place where he just all he felt was pain, and it was mm. so hard to just watch him suffering. And I, I would shut the door so the kids wouldn't hear him, you know, yelling. And they, like, there was times when he would get really violent because he was on so much pain medication he wouldn't recognize me or the kids. Mm, and right. he, he thought we were strangers, you know, breaking into the house. And oh, it yeah. was it was such a traumatic thing to try and keep the kids, like, as Protected. free of that as they could. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there was it was actually about a year I managed to keep them thinking that he just had a really bad flu or something. And mm -hmm. they were just like, Dad is never getting better. And I'm like, we're, we're trying. You know, he needs lots of medicine. And, yeah. and they were also little, and they wanted to... To play and and it was just kind of heartbreaking but then finally there was one time when Ellie who was still five uh, my oldest she like went to give him a hug and he had really swollen abdomen from tumor growth and yeah he was in so much pain and so they weren't allowed to, to go near him or touch him mm -hmm. but she kind of forgot and she like ran to give him a hug and he'd like he just like stiff armed yeah. her away and mm -hmm. she like fell backwards and and was just shocked and she cried and she's like I just want my daddy back and that was like this big turning point for me when I was like, okay, like I need to it's time like pull to. my little girl. Yeah. And so I, I brought her downstairs and we talked about heaven and about, you know, how we're always connected to those people that we love. And I was just told her about how sick he really was and how like sometimes when people get really sick, they don't ever, you know, get better. And sometimes they have to say goodbye. And it was like, I was like, there's no training for this, you yeah, know? Yeah, I can't and, even imagine. Um, and I tried really hard to find a community or, or anybody that I felt understood what I was going through. I tried to find young moms that were dealing with cancer or, you know, young moms with kids that at least their husbands had just died or, you know, like something that was kind of tied. Um, but, you know, over the over the course of the next few years, I realized that it really doesn't matter what kind of loss. You, I mean, sure, there's a connection between widows and widows, you know, and young mothers with, you know, cancer husbands. And but like. I've had people say, well, I've, I've been through a really rough divorce, but that's not like what you've been through. And I'm like, I'm sure that was hell for you, you know, and I, right. you, you can't it's a really different quantify. Kind of hell. Yes. Yep. And that's the big thing is like, you, you can't start comparing your pain to someone else's pain and saying, well, right. it's not, I mean, if it helps your perspective, sure. To say, well, I, maybe I don't have it quite as bad, you know, right. but, but don't discount the pain that you feel just because you don't think it's worth measures know, up to yes, someone exactly mm -hmm. or you're feeling in a disproportionate amount of suffering and you don't feel like your trial warrants that kind of mm -hmm. suffering totally yeah yeah because we all have to you have to to feel it to heal it you know kind of thing you you have to get it out there and that's something I also kind of had to realize um you know in like once he had passed away especially 
um, because while this was all going on, I was really intentionally just burying everything as much as I could yeah. um, because I didn't have time to like mm-hmm. wrap up in my blanket and watch, you know, Gilmore Girls and eat cupcakes or whatever. Like the right. kids were like, what are we having for dinner? And, yeah. you know, he needed oh, constant that's... care and the kids yeah. were always like, mom. And so I just, I was like, nope, nope. And I did like the zombie mode thing, I called it, where I just was like mono, monotone. Like, no, mm-hmm. I tried not to let myself feel you know, pain or, or happiness for that matter, because yeah. it, mm. happiness felt guilty and, mm. and pain just, you know, got too heavy and I would, it would get out of control. And I, I'm guessing so, you didn't have therapy during that time or some sort of professional help. I, I didn't help. until right up towards the end. Okay. Um, there was, there was some things that just kind of happened that I just realized, like, I am, I am feeling emotions that I really can't control. And, and, um, so I, I did seek therapy and, and it was wonderful. And okay. I've, I've yeah. gone on and off for the last few years and it's, I, I really wish there wasn't such a stigma because it's an amazing resource and amazing Absolutely. tool and so, so necessary. I feel like people wait until it's the the very last, you know, step yeah. before something's gone or ruined or or before they're broken because it has like they feel like um, you know, re- re- like related to therapy. If I'm going to therapy, then it means I'm, you know, yeah. my life is in shambles or something like that and it's Right. Yeah. So then as you were leading up to that time as you, and you were saying, you know, kind of outlining the chronology of how everything happened, you you got really intentional about sweeping your feelings under the carpet, right? Yeah. Like you you were pretty intentional about trying not to feel mm-hmm. and it took up until closer to the end where you did seek um professional help. Mm-hmm. But yet along the way you did at some point share. You did share because you have an online community you have for years yes. that has become your life's work. So how did that all like work together? The whole like I can't feel anything yet I feel like I'm supposed to share this journey mm-hmm. yeah. and the way this impacted other people like walk us through a little bit of that experience. So Martin um, had been working I had been blogging for a few years before I started this. I had my blog and I had I had grown well enough that I had a really large community of people that supported our family and loved that I was having kids close together and they you know I brought Martin on and he would write sometimes and so they really felt That's kind cool. of attached and mm-hmm. and I felt really lucky that way um pardon me and so when uh, and he was starting to encourage me to do more video and things and so when it happened he he um it took a couple of months but then he said you know like this is this is happening for a reason and this is probably why you started your blog in the first place and he was like mm. we need to share this and I mm. we we did have to kind of come out with this information because if it if it wasn't terminal things might have been different but there was no way that I could hide it from people right. and then be like oh by the way my husband's gone mm-hmm. just so you guys know and I would have stopped blogging except for we really weren't making any money any other way and so right. I really had to keep going with it that was your life that was work. our yeah. it, it wasn't he was entirely in, yeah. um but he, as soon as it was for him he he stopped being able to work and so then it right yeah, we, we had a lot of debt obviously and the money um you know kind of built up um, over the course of his, you know, cancer treatment and, and he was really kind of worried about how things were going to go. And, and so, yeah, I really had to keep, which was, the, you know, hence the late night, like Gatorade yeah. in the warm mug, you know, kind yeah. of thing, the Gatorade monster yeah. with five hour energy and rock star. I love that you, you said know, Gatorade. That was it cute. All <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it does, it does taste different when it's heated up in a mug in your cold basement. And yeah. I was like, we're just going to go with pretending this is tea or something yeah. healthy. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, that was really necessary. And it was, it was therapeutic, but I would type about updates and things when, uh, when it would just kind of erupt. And I think right. that's, that's a big, like, culmination of my, like, point with all of this is that if you try to push those things down, like, when they're strong enough, they're just going to come up. But even, even like minor, like, it's my kind of opinion, I like to philosophize a little bit. But it's my opinion that that those times when we snap at our kids, and I mean everybody, I think everybody knows this. Like it's not yes. really about how she spilled the Cheerios. Correct, like it's just right. because you were pissed off at other things, and yeah. it just kind of that's kind of how it leaked out, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think we try to suppress a lot of things all the time, um, and then they escape in little you know slivers, yeah. and they're they, you know they catch a little bit of, and they just come out, and you you yell at somebody or you snap and you do and say things you don't mean. And so for me, they were kind of erupting in really big ways and in big panic attacks. And I, yeah. I remember specific times, and I've talked you know, before about um, being on the road at one point when I was driving kind of down the freeway, and, and my, I started shaking and I started crying, mm. and it was this panic that I had never mm. felt before. And um, I had to kind of pull over to the shoulder, but, uh, but I just, because I couldn't see anymore, I just couldn't mm-hmm. stop crying, and I... And it was, um, there was a time in Target once he was, it was after he had passed away, but I had all the little kids in a cart and, 
and um, one of them started crying and one of them hurt the other one and they were all like asking for food and <sighs> and I was like what are we going to do about groceries and I just everything felt like it like all right. the shelves were like tipping onto me and I totally. just kind of like crumpled onto the floor and I actually connected recently with a lady who the lady who found me and was like are you okay honey and I was like I'm fine and I just was a big you know mess <laughs> mm. but she reached out and was like hey I'm the person that found you like that oh, day in Target that's really sweet and, to um, reconnect with yeah. that yeah, person it was sweet because she really kind of like pulled me out of this fog I was yeah. in and, and um so I remembered this pivotal point after he was gone when I realized like um, I was on a hike with all the kids on my own and and Martin hadn't really been an outdoors guy and I I had a lot growing up and so I was like you know what I'm gonna like be outdoorsy now and yeah. it was kind of my me trying to find my identity after he was gone like right. what are the things that I, like what makes me me instead totally. of you know the me that's just his wife kind of yeah. thing and so I had loved camping and he was like not an outdoors guy so I was like we're gonna go camping dang it so I bought like all these sleeping bags and everything and I ended up going up with my sister-in-law to the woods and um, up to the family cabin and I took them all on a little hike and they were all just like so little and I we found walking sticks and and uh, they were all walking together and like holding hands and I just felt like this like something you know big coming on and I was like nope I can't do that right now and and I thought like I'll do that tonight when they're in bed and I was like so in my mind I kind of like scheduled an appointment when I could just like let right. myself feel hmm. stuff you yeah know? Hmm. and and that was so productive so wildly productive because I not only did I like start to let myself focus on things and I turned off the distractions because I had avoided music and I mean, I had avoided sound, uh, silence for mm. the longest time. Yeah. That, you know, that's when your mind can wander. Mm -hmm. And so I like I turned off all the music and all the distractions and I and I decided to pull up photos on my phone and then I turned on like his video montage and then I pulled out like some, you know, Mother's Day cards and I started like just bringing it all. Like, yeah. Wow. I was like, how about I just like chop it into it while I'm, yeah, while I'm going big, let's just go big. Let's do and this. So thing. I know. So I was just mm. like, blah. And I just was yeah. up in this, I was curled up in this ball, like ugly crying, like I'd never cried. And, and I only lasted for, you know, probably the whole night, but like, I just felt so empty after that of tears and I felt oddly like refreshed and yeah and I was like wow like okay I feel actually okay and um and the next day was so without incident and I was I felt like I could be a little bit more present and I was like I need to do that again tonight so I was like scheduling these appointments wow. with my grief yeah. is kind of what I've called it because scheduling appointments kind of with your grief yeah this is it amazing was, it was so so cleansing and and I, it enabled me to be present as a mom and to to actually like play with my kids and laugh a little bit and not feel like all of these emotions that I was mm. like just burying so deep and so I did that again that night and I ended up staying up like all night just like crying and then I at one point I think I probably FaceTimed my sister and we cried for a while and I looked back at like videos of him and I and they they cut you know so bad um but here we go um it hurts so bad but it was so necessary and uh, I just kept doing this and I would, I could spread them out a little bit and then I'd do it more, but it was, I never had to like completely shatter in front of my kids and, yeah. um, they did see plenty of emotion. I don't mean it to sound like I cut right. that part away because there was a lot I was helping them process too. And, um, but it's so, it was so, so necessary. And so then I went back to therapy, um, you know, to have someone to help work me through some of these things. And, right. and then like through the process of, of, um, working through that and, and saying like, no, he is gone. Like, no, he's not coming back. You know, a lot of these things that you just don't like, you have to kind of visualize and picture and, and work through. Um, a lot of other stuff started coming up too. things that I had buried since high school, you know, pain I'd felt back, um, you know, in the day and, um, the fact that I never really processed this miscarriages I had and, um, you know, some, some abuse that I had in high school and different things that were trauma that I, yeah. um, that I got away with kind of burying. And, um, and I realized how much those things affect you years later, you know, down the road, you could still be, mm -hmm. you know, having outbursts related to stuff you dealt with. And I, I do believe that all of us have so much like inner child work we need to do. Like that's I think so that so much of our pain as adults like goes back to our childhood, you know, and it's I so, agree. it's so um, interconnected. And so I, I realized once I started feeling all of these things, I was like, whoa, I guess I have gone through this and this. And my therapist was like, give yourself some damn credit, you know, seriously. Sorry. She was like, um, like, look at all the stuff you've survived. And like, that sounds kind of cheesy. 
to be like, you know, you've survived 100% of the days, you know, so far, so yeah. you can survive. Like, but you really have. And I mean, like, yeah, like go through and list all mm. of the stuff that we've experienced. Anything that was painful, mm. you know, like when your your fish died when you were five and, you know, like all the way back. And, and so then I looked at this list and I saw in my head kind of like, like pieces of, of armor, like this suit of armor in a way. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, like these are all things that make up the strength that I have because I, I learned my strength through those experiences, you know? And so I, I realized like if it wasn't for how bloody low I'd been brought, like I couldn't, I couldn't be brought this high, you know, yeah. like the, the expanse of our pain is equals the expanse of our grief. Mm-hmm. and our our joy you know and all the all the opposites that come with that and so like this bubble of emotion um you know your pain stretches it this deep i mean this wide but then you can have so much more joy too because yeah. of, of the space it's created if that makes sense and totally. so like like you're in the dark for so long like you you sure appreciate the light when it comes out it's again so true and mm-hmm. you know when you have so much pain like if you've ever had a physical injury, you know, you so appreciate when you can just walk without crutches and you can just, you know, so I, I, and I believe like the people that have been, that's probably the people that have been, have been really broken are, are almost like they have the most compassion because they've been there. And, and, you know, when you've experienced pain, you've let it teach you and you've sat down with it and let it, you know, tried to learn the lesson that it has. Um, it loses all of its power over you. Just like my, my grief, like as soon as I started meeting with it on purpose and being intentional mm-hmm. about feeling it, I wasn't scared of it r- erupting, you know, and I just realized like I'm the one that's the boss now <laughs> instead of I being worried that. about my pain hitting me at random times and trying to hide from it and be scared of it. I was like, no, we can be friends. We can, right. you know, we can get along. And um, and I realized like it's not, a, there's a, there's a re- really great quote I love, um, like ships don't sink because of the water around them. It's the water that gets inside of them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, as much as you keep inside, like, that's what's going to sink mm. you. You know, that's right. the pain. Mm-hmm. That, so so as much as you can pu- put back out in the ocean, um, yeah. you know, and then you're just going to be stronger for that experience of bailing yourself out, so to Emily, speak. Emily, I'm really impressed with um, the exercise that you went through of documenting the, the, the wins, the things that you've triumphed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you said that was a, was it a therapist that kind of initiated that or, or somebody just, um, suggested realized, you? Yes. It was a therapist who made me realize that I was kind of discounting really painful okay. things. And I was like, well, that wasn't that big. And she was like, excuse me, like, that's not a big deal. Like, yes, right. it was. And I was like, well, my husband died. Like, I mean, it's not that big a deal. And she was like, a miscarriage is huge. Like, don't even. And so she helped me to realize, yeah, like it's this powerful, is though. like, excuse me, like, you, yeah, you realize how many things you've gone through and we all have so much that we experience and are kind of like well you know we just I think we really do just brush it off and say I would there's worse stuff out there yeah. you know yeah and, and I th- that's why I think it was powerful that you didn't just have somebody on the outside going um can you give yourself a little more credit because you actually survived this and this it sounds like you literally went through and I don't know if you wrote it or just thought it I in your did head, but on my own. I was one of my it. little yes. appointments. Yeah. yeah, I was like, how about I just like visually start creating? I'm yeah. the best person anyway. There you so go, I was girl. Like, oh, let's just start. Just bump across yeah. the microphones right there. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love a good list. Um, right. So I, I was like, I'm actually gonna like write it out and mm-hmm. um, and start to visualize, and it kept growing. And and again, I started like almost. It sounds funny, but I almost started turning like digging really deep and being like, well, yeah, my, my fish did die when I was five. And that, I mean, that made me cry when That's I was five. That's your whole world. Like, hell wow. five. And I so mean, I really? was like, I started looking and like searching and trying to dig through my memory for those painful things to try and add to it and be like, let's make this as long as we can, you know? And, and really you start to realize how much we go through and, and sustain and survive and, and without even really realizing it, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think our human capacity for emotional self-reliance it's, it's not even in like growing it. I feel like we all innately have it. And what I love about that list is like, you don't realize how strong you are. Mm-hmm. For me, people always want to talk about when they talk about trials, they're like, oh, hey, let's talk about your cancer. When to me, yeah, cancer sucked. It was not fun. But I actually have been through things that were way harder than that. Like yeah. postpartum anxiety to me oh. was way harder than chemo and radiation. But that's not something people want to talk about because it's so commonplace. And I think we all have so much suffering and trauma in our lives with with the things that we go through that might seem mundane. And sometimes we feel embarrassed to be like, yeah, that really shook me. That was really hard. Yeah. And when we give ourselves the credit where credit's due of like, yeah, I made it through that. And that was really hard. What do, what do you think is it about particularly, let's be honest, females, that we want to discredit 
ourselves or our abilities. I feel like there's this pattern of of us wanting to do that or of us naturally discrediting our own strength within situations. I don't know. I I, I want to say I I feel like it's the culture we live in. Mm. Um, except for this goes all the way back to our parents. I mean, the people I've been talking and maybe beyond that, but the people yeah. I've, some people I've talked to have said, you know, my parents were always kind of one to kind of sweep things under the rug. Yeah. And I think it's like a, it's a generational thing. But I think now I feel like in this age of social media, we're kind of preemptively apologizing for the stuff we've been through because we feel like we're going to get criticized for it. Yeah. And because I've seen so mm. many people. Um, the first instance that comes to mind is is a woman who posts about her postpartum body and says, you know, I'm trying to accept myself and love myself. And everybody that gets on there and is, is like, well, I would love myself too if I looked like that. Like, I've never looked that good, you know. And so she, mm-hmm. all of a sudden she feels mm. like so she's, she's not allowed to. Yes, yeah. exactly. They're like, you should be glad for what you have. Like, I wish I looked like that on my best day, you know, mm-hmm. let alone. Yeah. And so I've, I've seen them take posts down because they feel like they were attacked for trying to be vulnerable and open and recognizing, like, that they they've been through something hard, um, and I and I think the women that the, those women that say things, or or people in general that, you know, the ones that say that are trying to help themselves feel, feel better, you know, for mm-hmm. for struggles of their own. I don't think they realize that they're you know what they're kind of discounting from those people necessarily, but it really is this like kind of like a vicious cycle where. Like, I feel badly about something, so I'm going to try and put someone else, you know, yeah. down so I can feel a little bit better. And so I, we all kind of do this, you know, it kind of goes in these steps. And I don't know, you know, exactly what is at the root of that. We need to stop that. We really need <laughs> yes, to stop. That's please. really the solution. Uh, like, really yes, marginalizing please. our pain and marginalizing other people's pain. Well, and on that note, and because you mentioned social media, um, we all we all understand what opposition on social media looks like. Not everybody listening might have the same type of experience with it, but it's a very real thing. Can I just say this? Yeah. Sure. Listener, it sucks. <laughs> no, like really, we touch on it here and there, and I actually don't like to talk about it a lot, not because I'm embarrassed, but because... I don't want to give those people, I don't want to give those people a platform for their hate, but let me tell you, it sucks. It's out there. And it It really happens. Yeah. And it's really, it's ugly, deeply hurtful. Yeah. It's not a pretty thing. And that's why I wanted to just touch on that real quick and, and, and we'll wind up pretty quickly. But I just, I think when it comes to social media and because you like anyone else who puts himself out there, you've received that. What does that balance look like in terms of being being truly authentically who you are and knowing that you are you feel how important and valuable it is to share pieces of your story because we all know that other people will find a piece of themselves in your story right Mm -hmm. everyone sharing should understand that like Mm -hmm. when you share someone else you're helping someone else who will find a piece of themselves in your story Mm -hmm. and also there's opposition in that there will be people who not just disagree or don't like it or don't know how just to scroll past by, but will hate on you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and the experiences that, that you've had and, and how the depths of the sorrows and the, the grief and the, everything you went through and also the unkindness on a public forum, basically, how did you reconcile with that? And did you just, was that another thing that you pushed down a little bit? Or is there something that you did to navigate your way through that experience with that on top of it? You know, I I wish I could have um, kind of pushed it down and ignored it because um, because it was really damaging for a while, just mentally to have people saying such. You know, the the internet can get really nasty, mm-hmm. and I was I wasn't aware of that when I started blogging. I didn't realize that there was that people could be so much more um, hurtful and hateful online. Like I didn't. I was like, why would you know? I didn't really realize that would ever be something people would want to do. Mm. Um, but now I've, I've come to the point after years of this where I've realized that you were saying people see some of themselves in your pain. And that's, those are exactly the people that say hurtful things too, because your pain or your circumstance is triggering to a part of them that they've not Mm. processed. That they've pushed Mm. down. And so that's where their pain leaks out because you are triggering for you to talk about something that, you know, had to do with your husband. It, It hits something in them. And it's a part of them that they've not processed, and it's it's like a slap mm. in that area where they have been burying something. And so they the only thing that they need to do is, I mean, the, the only reaction, I think, is to lash out um, if it's something that is has been causing them a lot of internal pain. Mm. And and that that turns that, um, that sort of uh, frustration or anger or sadness into sympathy because you realize we all are hurting, 
you know, in some ways and people process it differently. And, but, you know, lashing out is never going to fix it. You know, just like yelling mm -hmm. at your kids is not going to make you right. feel any better. Yeah. It's like, you have to go through that on your own. And, but the internet has created this dangerous place where people can do that and not have any sort of repercussions. And so, you know, maybe it will give them a little bit of temporary relief, but, but um, when you kind of change your mindset to really like, these are strangers, they don't know me, you know, they, even if the, as much as I share, they still don't understand, you know, my decisions and my choices in my life. And of course. you really kind of do build up this little wall of fluffy feathers and you're like, you guys mm -hmm. just need to go figure stuff out. And yeah, and um, I kind of, I just don't let any negativity on my platform. And anybody that says you have to accept negativity because you put yourself out there is, is full of bull because yeah. it's my platform. I was given a delete button and a block button for a reason. And so Beautiful. while it is out there yeah. in the middle of the – like you can go to that somewhere else. It's your space. My Instagram account is my my real estate that like mm -hmm. maybe I haven't paid for it, but it's I have the control over it. And there's nothing that says you have to accept abuse because you're on the internet. That's well, it's, it's akin and, to like, and also you have paid for it. Yeah. Also, right. you this paid a lot of, you've <laughs> invested a lot of yourself and your heart and your time into that. Sorry, That's I didn't mean true. to cut oh, no, you off, fine. but like truly, you've paid mm -hmm. for it. And it's it is your real estate. Forum where I, where, mm -hmm. it's, where it's a community that I keep. It's not a forum where everyone gets to say whatever they want and abuse each other. Correct. Like, I'm, I'm the parent and these are the children and I will stop the arguments and, mm -hmm. you know, escort you will, people out the door yes. if they're going to beat there up other. That's where the block and delete comes. Yeah. to like inviting people into your home truly and we were listening mm -hmm. to a speaker earlier today that essentially said that literally it's inviting someone into your home and if someone comes into my home with a baseball bat smashing lamps mm -hmm. probably they're not going to be allowed back I'm not going to welcome them back in tell me and how so, you would uh, excuse a person like that back I'm just I'd curious yeah how would I excuse yeah. a person yes, like how that? Would that how would that go down if someone came into my the, home the with a baseball bat mind. correct uh-huh what would you do I'm just curious. <laughs> Emily and I would just appreciate that's, a visual. I would get uh, Becky proud. That's exactly what I would do. Ooh, because you can't one. get arrested for that's like hosing someone. <laughs> so I would get my hose. Fire hose. Yes. She knows the law. Like, I would water literally light. just like, because there'd be no possible way for me getting sued. Oh my sued. goodness. I just thought of that office episode with Dwight where they get hosed. Yeah. I've seen that where she yeah. like hoses. Yeah. No, that's a good visual right I there. would do that. But literally though. It's I, just water. So. It's just water. You know, talking about, we were talking about the book that um, that I just released this week, but it talks about that very same thing where like the the best way to show kindness is really to show kindness to yourself. And that means I healthy that. boundaries. That means healthy boundaries that you don't let people oh, cross. Nice. Because when you love yourself, when you when you have those boundaries, you can love people better. Mm -hmm. And so good for you for not allowing that. There's another there's another way to think of it too. And I like that just as much as to, to say like really – Obviously, whatever I'm sharing is causing you a lot of distress. So I'm just going to help you and just escort you out, and then make right. it. And then I'm going to shut the door and lock it so you can't come back in because I, I'm trying to protect for your, your own health. good. For right? your own good, right? you need to go find. I'm going to walk you to yes. your car. Yeah, like <laughs> and I just help you out and tuck and you right in. Go get some. Yes, it's a tricky. Not going to help you. Yeah, it's a tricky, tricky thing, and it's a complicated yeah. thing. And so, thank you for sharing your insight on that. That's oh, that's you. really helpful for I think a lot of people mm -hmm. who are listening who, you know, don't have to have necessarily like a public platform on social media but we m most of us you know here we get input we get family beneficial mm -hmm. yeah as long as you can yeah have that it's hugely beneficial because we are all I feel like a lot of us moms these days are we can get lonely and trapped in our homes and we don't maybe we don't get out so much and that was what that was for me is blogging was actually kind of mm -hmm. an outlet through postpartum depression and I can yeah we'll have to feel, talk about that later on I know but, seriously this is an April was, series <laughs> I love it Emily. I love it um but yeah it was a way for me to connect with other people that were going through what I was going through and and um and it's it was an amazing incredible support to be you know in bed with my husband at two in the morning and trying to cry quietly into my pillow and to open up Instagram and have so many messages yeah of mm -hmm. support from strangers and people donated so much and they loved on our family and sent me gifts and mm -hmm. it was amazing to have like the world just come together and, and that's yeah. the best part and that's the beautiful part and no matter how bad it gets you have mm -hmm. everybody has each other and, and no matter how bad it gets people like us who are posting and doing it for the right reasons we're not going away well, and even if there <laughs> right? was one person that was benefiting you know compared yes. to tons of people that were critical and we would still do yeah. it because there was person, probably yeah. another woman lying in her bed crying her eyes out because she's going through something mm -hmm. and she reads mm -hmm. that you have been on that trail before her and mm -hmm. she knows it can be okay yeah. And it will be okay. Yeah. Before we before we wrap up, there's never like a perfect happily ever after. <laughs> right. But I would love for our listeners to know how you're doing now today. You've shared so much of your journey and we're so grateful for that. 
How much time do I have? I know. (laughs) I know. This is part 17. Uh, Welcome back to the Emily show. Um, But in in summary, like if you were to recap, like how, um, how are you doing now? And, um, and, and how is life after all of that? I'm glad you brought that back up. It's nice to end on a, you know, well-rounded note. But but my, uh, my family, we live in Utah now. I have, I have six kids now. I, I reconnected with, um, with one of my best friends from high school. We wrote letters. um, I met when I was 15 and he Mm. was 18 or 19. And we started writing letters, um, paper letters, like, you know, with a pen. I love stuff, it. Stamps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we did that for years um, before I married my husband, Martin. And then we um, kind of lost contact when I got married and he went on to school. And and so um, through through Martin's diagnosis and everyone trying to reach out to help, um, his name's Richard. He, um, he, he He's our sound engineer. To, that's right. He got in contact <laughs> trying to offer support and help. And, and um, we ended up kind of picking up where we left off with our friendship and and um he's an amazing dad of the kids and we've had one more little girl who's the sweetest little silly girl she's um we That's so amazing. now we're, we're six of us and we were six between nine and two years old six kids and we have, oh your oldest is nine i just got the shivers wow. when you said we have, that. <laughs> that's so amazing yeah it's great fun so we're just trying to plug away we're kind of both working full-time from home now with the blogging and and just trying to yeah, just connect with people and mm-hmm. and get the most out of life and that's awesome and create yeah. your life together. Yeah. yeah, which is beautiful. That's yeah. really cool. Well, he's a pretty dang good sound engineer. He's been real busy well over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so great because I think that you know that is <clears throat> excuse me that is part of the journey. It's not always gonna. It's never gonna look perfect. It's not always gonna look pretty. But there are different seasons and different chapters. And if we have that ability and that resilience to be able to keep turning the pages, mm-hmm. every single time, every trial that we face. Every Every challenge that comes our way, um, there's something else to come, and all of our experiences build upon each other. Yeah. And I am sure yeah, you have that. seen that again and again and again. Yeah. So thank you so much for thank sharing. So I really much. do want to do an 18 part series. <laughs> I with know, Emily. for real. Just let me know when and where. <laughs> I know, seriously. But thank we you so much. we're grateful. Thank you for being on the show, and thanks for sharing your experiences with us. There's no question in my mind that the the lives that you've touched just by sharing your journey yeah. and your insights will be hugely beneficial. So thank you. Well, thank you guys so much for letting me be here. And thank you, friends, for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings you feel, and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on, and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. We're testing this One, out. Two, three, four, five, okay. six, seven, eight, nine, ten, pop. Is your alt summit badge shoved down your shirt? Definitely is. It's not uncomfortable. Definitely. I yes, just, it sure is. I thought Why you did that for sound. So? I was like, how did that My get gosh. down there? You was guys, it when we zipped it you back buried. up? It's in your clothes. No, I just want you to it's know that I went to the bathroom clothing. without your support. Oh, babe, that's what happens. I'm sorry. No, it's still listen. I'm wearing, alone. I'm wearing a <laughs> jumpsuit, ja- and I couldn't zip all the way <laughs> up. And I was like, Beck, I don't know if I can go to the bathroom without your support of walking in with me to mm. the restroom so that somebody can unzip and zip me back up. That's why I can't do these like these jumpsuits and these, um, what are they called? <laughs> What is it called with the shorts and the, the rompers? The, the rompers. Mm-hmm. I've, I've tried. They're so cute. And I'm like, I have to get completely naked. And you know what you <laughs> should do? So you should sew in like little baby snaps like bodysuits have or baby onesies. And then you could wear them and just like snaps all the way down your legs. Absolutely. So I think that would be like a proprietary thing. Mom snaps. You better hurry and yeah. <laughs> trademark that real that fast be before, up, mom that snaps, be before Richard up steals it.